God is good, amen? I hope you came expecting today. And if you didn't, I know somebody did, amen? <laughs> At least me and my wife did, amen? Praise the Lord. But I believe more, more than just us came expecting. But God's got wonderful things, you know. As you guys know, I was recently, um, wasn't too long ago, I was in Norway. And I found out something. I don't know if uh, you know this. I found out it was news to me, but Norway's, uh, their, their, their warships have uh, barcodes on the side of them. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? I mean, you never, never would. I, I mean, when I first heard it, I was like, that's weird. They say the purpose of it is when they come back from being out on patrol or whatever they're doing, they got a Scandinavian. <laughs> well, I've been saving that one for a little while. <laughs> Praise God. But a friend of mine told me that joke this week, and I'm like, oh, oh man, I can't wait to get into that one. I don't even care if you liked it. I liked it the second time just as much as I liked it the first time. So praise the Lord. Well, welcome to church. Amen. God has got good things for us here today. And if, if you don't believe that, please don't judge it by the jokes. Amen. But God does have good things for us. Praise the Lord. And that's a, I remember my pastor used to start every service with a joke. You remember that back in the day? And so we would, we would feed him jokes if we, if, if we knew them. Maybe I have to share that with him. Dad jokes. I got this shirt that has a bar, like a bar on it. You know, it says dad joke loading. I love wearing that shirt and probably just for that reason. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Excited to be in church. Today's message is called Take Your Seat. Amen. And it was one of those, you know, it was kind of one of those things where uh, I, I was like, you know, I just didn't have the, the message I wanted to preach. Actually, I didn't have a message at all that I wanted to preach, and the Lord brought me. Uh, this is what he brought me, and so uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But then he showed me why, too, and that blesses me as well. But we're going to be talking about taking your seat, taking your place in the body of Christ, taking your place, uh, you know, in the in the plan of God and doing the things that, you know, and we've kind of been on this 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 vein anyways. But uh, I believe that this will uh, if you haven't been here, will stand on its own. Uh, God's got good things for us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, one of the things is and I was thinking about this, you know, the Lord spoke this to me earlier in the week and uh, it really blessed me uh, because of the direction that's in it. But. You know, he said that, uh, you know, God isn't trying to make you a better you. And I, I love that. And he went on to say that he's trying to make you more like him. Yeah. Amen. And, and I love that. I love that understanding and that teaching that God isn't trying to just make us a better version of ourselves. Because the version of ourself, you know, uh, uh, even it, it, who I was, even a good version of that was still pretty bad. Amen. Is there anybody else that can relate to me there? Even a good version of who I was was still pretty bad. It was better than what I was, but it still wasn't good enough to be uh, used by God. But God wants to make us more like him. And I love that because it takes so much of the, the weight and the focus. You know, there's a, a lot of people kind of, over the years it got popular, kind of preach in that vein, you know, God wants to make you a better you and become a better you and all this stuff about you. But the thing is that, and that, that's, that's good for excitement at first. That's good to stir you up at first and to get you going. But the problem is, is that, that that doesn't really last. And the reason that doesn't really last is because sooner or later you're going to be trapped with the thoughts of you. You're going to be trapped with that place where you know that you are. Uh, you're going to see those things that maybe nobody else sees. You know, I, I know I've had people say good things to me before, and I'm like, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know, you know, how I think here or how I think there. Amen. But God does. Amen. <clears throat> and so God wants to 
God wants to do something in us that's greater than what we are. Amen? And, th and that's just such a, a wonderful blessing, and it really can set us free, because when we understand that he wants to make us more like him and not a better version of us, then we start with a clean slate, truly start with a clean slate. Now, there may be things in us that are good and God can use, but all of those things, God doesn't need any of those things to do something in us. Amen? And <clears throat> it's really important to me as a pastor, to, to, to train people and teach people in a way that they, they, they've come to find their place in the body of Christ. That it's not we just, you know, it's important that we come together, we come to church and we hear the word of God. And I'm, I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for, for being encouraged and stirred by somebody who's preaching a message in the pulpit. But we need to take that and be able to apply it to our lives and then go out and live lives that are uh, honoring to the Lord. You know, another thing, <clears throat> yesterday as I was praying, you know, just... Uh, I was just saying, you know, I was really just spending some time with the Lord, and I said to God, I was like, you know, you know I, I, I was just repeating over and over, Glor I glorify you, Lord, I glorify you, Lord. And of course, that's something we say a lot when we get into that place of praise. But I heard this, <clears throat> excuse me, I heard this in my spirit as I said that, Are you, do you really? Do you really? Do you really glorify me? And really, when I got the understanding, he wasn't rebuking me because I'm not glorifying him, but he was, he was showing me that it's not in words only that we glorify him, but it's in our actions. It's the way we live our lives. It's what we do with this thing we call salvation. It's what we do with this one we call Jesus. It's what we do with this blood that we talk about being shed for us. What do we do with that? <clears throat> When God puts things on the inside of us, when he, when, he, when he gives us vision, when he gives us a hope for the future, when he stirs us, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, when he gives us, uh, you know, plans and purposes and, and he walks us through all those things, when God's doing great and wonderful things, amen, what is he doing? He's leading us towards that. I am going to take a little sip of that. Thank you. Forgive me while I have my own moment here. And... <laughs> yeah. This is good water, by the way. This is... I, was it Aquafina? It's... <clears throat> yeah. Gotta get that frog all the way down. See, that's why I drink tea, but apparently the tea hasn't been uh, effective this morning. Well, anyways, praise the Lord. Nothing like pointing out all the obvious things. Glory. You know, we learned that a long time ago. When we first had church, it was so awkward. <clears throat> and it still is awkward a little bit. We just embrace it now. You know, but when we first came to church, we we're like, you know, because we were, I mean, we were raised up under, I mean, we were raised up under a good pastor, and he just had everything in order, and if everything, anything was out of order, he put the fear of God in you, hallelujah, and, and you know, there was just a lot of those, and then we came out, we're like, all right, we're going to have order, this is the way it's going to be, and, and I believe God's a God of order, and that's important, this is going to help somebody, amen, <clears throat> and even if it doesn't, it's helping me get through this message, amen, so, so you know, he's a God of order, and I know that, but, uh, you know, we came out, we're going to have things in order and and I remember the first week and nobody had taught me how to preach I just watched somebody preach and and, and then they told me that I could do it <laughs> but I had never been taught how to preach and I remember the first week I had an iPad and I I'm, I'm and later on much later on several years into my ministry I also found out I was Italian and <clears throat> we I guess we should have looked at we should have followed the clues to where they led but uh, you know I took one of those stupid DNA tests you know and they tell you things you don't want to know about yourself amen but in my family, there was, I'll just be honest with you, and it wasn't me, it wasn't my fault, but in my family, there was always this, this little bit of like, you know, we didn't hate Italian people, we just didn't like them very much, you know? That was the way it was. There was just not my mom, you know, it was just kind of in there, you know? I was like, you know, it was just kind of in there. And then I took one of the DNA tests. My wife, of course, is, is, is uh, 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 20, is that, is that it? She's, she's a lot less. 
Well, she, she was Italian, of course, I always picked on her about being it. And she woke up first and got my email first that told me the results of my DNA. And I woke up to her laughing. <laughs> and I'm, she, she's like, you're Italian. I'm like, no, I'm not. There's no way. I'm more Italian than she is. Amen? Praise <laughs> the Lord. But the first time, all the scene, one story, that's how we do it around here. One story compounds into another story, and it just, uh, you know, but when I, I first, I, I've always preached with an iPad. I used it for my notes and stuff. And, uh, you know, the first time I was preaching, I was like, and, and I, I forgot that there's this thing called uh, a rotate lock. And, and, and as I was preaching, you know, I was talking, and, and this thing is moving, and every time, every time it would, it would start at the beginning of my notes. Well, when I first started preaching, I read everything, you know, that I had written down verbatim. So then it started all over at the beginning, and I'm like, oh, God, it was awful. It was awkward, and, you know, but... But how many know that God will take those? And see, that's the thing. Like people, like, they're, they're all the time I hear people say, I could never do that. Well, that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I said. And that God made me do it. And, and you know, praise the Lord for it. But, you, you know, uh, God loves using those kinds of things. And at first I thought, well, God, why can't you just make this less awkward? Why can't you just make us more able? And, and, and it's because God doesn't need us to see our ability. He needs us to see his. You know, in anything, and I love it. I love that we've had all those awkward moments. I love that we've had all those trying times because in all those trying times, in all those awkward moments, I've learned how to follow God. I've learned how to follow him even when my flesh didn't want to and especially when my flesh didn't want to. And sometimes my flesh still don't want to. Most of the time it still doesn't. But God uh, wants that. Oh, he wants us to get there, amen? And that does go along, although I didn't plan any of it, it does go along with what we're preaching, what I'm preaching today about taking your seat and learning your place. See, taking our seat is not about uh, that we earn something or that we get somewhere. It's that God has some place for us to be. You know, it's not what we attain. It's not what we get, what we're going to get to in of ourselves, but it's what God is going to bring us to. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, Where we see impossibility, God God sees opportunity for glory. I said, where we see impossibility, God sees opportunity for glory. To speak impossibility is to deny what God can and will do. And this is why we're kind of big around here on on what we say and how we say things and how we speak, our speech, the words that we use. Amen? We want to speak the right way. And the reason we talk about that is because uh, when we don't, what we're doing is essentially we're denying God's ability. The Bible says he uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Well, if we're foolish enough that we say that God can't use me, then what we're doing is saying that God's word isn't true. And we want to embrace God's word for the truth that it is. And the truth that it is is that God can do it despite you, but he chooses to use you. Yeah. Amen? And, but this is, the, this is the thing. There's nobody that sits in the seats of any church that isn't intended to be used by the Lord. God wants to use every one of us. I said God wants to use every single one of us. I've seen God use the littlest of the little and the oldest of the old. God will use anybody. There's never a time or a place where we should get to where we believe that we can't be used by God. Amen? Now, of course, we're talking about, we're going to go, go, turn over to Psalm 1. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Psalm 1. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalm 1 and verse 1. And for the first time that I go here, and we're not going any further than verse 1. We're just going to stay right there. It says here, How blessed is the man who, walk, who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, 
nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Some translations say the scornful scoffers work. Another word for this is also mocker. <clears throat> One who mocks. Amen? But it says, how blessed is the man or woman. We understand that that's mankind. And I don't just do that for the sake of because I'm trying to be politically correct. I do that because of just our society. We have to understand that, you know, how the Bible was written, what it was written for. Amen. But anybody is blessed who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Amen. Or stand in the path of sinners, but especially sit in the seat of the scoff, uh, scoffers, sit in the seat of scoffers or, or of the scornful. Amen. It's very important for us to recognize this. You know, what it means to sit in the seat of the scornful or sit in the seat of one who mocks. Amen. Galatians 6, 7 tells us, do not be deceived. Uh, This is a great verse because when it says do not be deceived, that's a real good instruction for us to what? Not be deceived. In other words, if it's saying do not be deceived then by, uh, by our ability, we can be deceived. And we don't want to be those who are deceived. The Bible tells us don't be deceived. So, and then it tells us how not to be deceived. It says, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Whatever one sows, this they will also reap. They will reap what they sow. God is not mocked. And so to sit in the seat of the scornful is to sit in a place Mocking God by saying uh, that, that, that I, I'm not going to reap what I sow. And, you know, of course, we, a lot of times people will focus on the scripture like this. They'll take it and they'll say, well, see, if you don't sow a certain amount of money, you won't reap. And there can be a truth to that. There's a, there, uh, I didn't say there's all truth to that, but I said there can be truth to that. Some people will say, well, if you're not faithful to your spouse, you know, you're not going to reap faithfulness. And, and there can be truth to that as well. Amen. But, uh, but to really mock God is to, 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 to look into the word and to look into things that he's set up, the directions that he's given us, the rules, so to speak, that he's placed on life and to sit, look there and say, well, I can bypass that. And maybe, and to be deceived isn't to just look at it and say, well, maybe you're actually looking, say, I didn't look at it. I never looked at it and say I could bypass that. But you did by your actions. You did by your desires. You know, it's a, that age-old question, why would God send somebody to hell? And, and the answer the Lord gave me is that he sends no one to hell. But people go to hell by themselves. They go on their own accord. It's not a matter of God casting them there. It's that there's, there's no other place for them when they reject what he's given them. And that's what the truth of, of, of the knowledge of God is, is that when we reject God, we embrace the opposite by default because you can't have one without the other. You can't, you, you, you can't have darkness and light dwelling in the same place. The Bible tells us this. To think that you can is mocking God. To sit in a place where you embrace darkness but you say you live in light is mocking God. And to do these things puts a person in a place of being uh, unusable from, for God. It, it puts them in a place where, where they can't access what he has. The Bible tells us, and it's a really amazing scripture, the Bible tells us that he withholds no good thing from those who walk uprightly. And so we understand that God doesn't keep anything back from us. There's nothing if you're walking uprightly. But see, the scoffer would sit there and say, well, I could get blessed anyways. Uh, a person who's deceived will say, hey, God did bless me, so maybe I can get away with this a little bit more. And of course, the devil would love to, to encourage you along those thought processes. Amen? But if we're going to sit in the seat of scoffers, if we're going to be Christians who come to church, maybe we'll come to church, right? But let's say we get to church, 
And we get to church, but we never do anything with it. We sit in church, we don't ever become anything. We don't ever really uh, engage ourselves in what God's doing, because this isn't about just a place where we come, hear the word. It's about a place where we come and connect. And whatever church, if you don't go to this church, if you go to a different church, that church is the place wherever you're called to be. And that's why it's so imperative for people to learn and know where they're called to be. And then once they're called to be there, they're supposed to connect there. And what I mean by connect is that they're supposed to sit, they're supposed to take their seat, so to speak. Now I see some people, we have some visitors in here, we got some people kind of moved around a little bit, and it, it's kind of interesting to me, because you know, most weeks when you come into church, you can see people sitting in their seat, right? Yeah. Amen. And there's always, a, there's always a thought, a little bit probably in the back of our minds when you come into church and someone else is sitting in your seat and you're like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we got, Pastor, we got to put a seating chart out there because somebody didn't know. And then somebody, you, you know what I mean? But, but, but there, there, there is this idea that there's, and, and there's, I don't think that's entirely bad that we come in and, and, and want the place where we've, where we've sat. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you why I don't think that's totally bad, because it's laying claim to something. Amen? In the body of Christ, it's saying, you know, this is where I belong. That, that's ultimately what it is. And, and, and if you come in and somebody else is taking your place, you kind of feel a little bit. Now, listen, if you're, listen, if you're a first-timer here or if you're new here or if you've only been here a few weeks and you haven't learned the seating chart yet, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We, we embrace you. And, and as a pastor, I, I'm really excited about it. I'm glad you shake up the church a little bit. It's good that we come. You know, in some of the old churches, they, you would pay for your seat. And you would get your seat according to where you paid. The, the, the better seats were reserved for the, the, better, the better payers. Amen. Aren't we glad that we don't get... Now we just receive, reserve the, the good seats for all the people we like the most. <laughs> That's just a joke. Amen. But, but there is somewhat of a truth to it. But they're there by default. They're not there because, just because I like them the most. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. And of course, I have to say that about my family. Amen. And you should say about yours. But you're all our family. And we, we love our local church. Amen. I wish every seat. Actually, uh, there was a joke once about uh, uh, the Mayville Family Church. And they, it said, uh, uh, Reverend Rich Walker actually came up with it. It was for Pastor Michael's, one of his, uh, like, it was for a celebration of something. And, uh, and uh, he said, you know, uh, the Family Church Mayville, it's like your church. It's like your family church, but better. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> it's like where every seat is a back seat. You know, because usually when people come into a church, it's like the back seats are coveted. And then when you, when you come for a while, you realize that the front seats are coveted. And so every seat is a back seat. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we, 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 every seat here can be a back seat or a, or a front seat, depending on what you like. Amen. But sitting in our seats, sitting, well, let's not sit in our seats as scoffers. Let's not be people that sit in the church and just, we just do this Christian thing. Or we show up to church and we, you know, maybe we give into an offering and every once in a while we do something. But no, let's truly embrace what God wants to do in us. Amen. And, and, and I put before you, I, I present this to you, that a lot of the reason that people struggle in life, that Christians struggle in life is because they never really fully find their place. You know, one of the things my wife and I have noticed over the years is that there are times where people can, can be effective in one place but not another. And so it's important to know where God has called you because when God has called you somewhere, you can be effective there. Now, in that, that being said, you know, a scoffer would sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to sit here until God uses me. Right. Uh, and, and not somebody who diligently pursues this idea that God wants to use them where they're at. 
And again, I say this to, you know, even if there's, you know, we have people that are online. We have people from other churches that tune in online. People that are uh, from out of, out of state and stuff like that. And we're, we're really blessed by you. Amen. We do have an air conditioning fund that you don't get to partake of the coolness, but you, no, I'm just kidding about all that. <laughs> but at any rate, we, you know, we, uh, uh, but, but even in your churches, the same thing. Don't just sit there as a scoffer saying, you know, I'm waiting, to, I'm waiting for God to do something in me, but be somebody who God wants, that can, is ready to use, or be somebody that's ready for God to use, amen? Glory to God. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. He's never mocked. You know, when I, I, I've, uh, uh, whatsoever a man sows that he shall reap, you know, I, I've seen this so many times where people are seeking something, and for the sake of just present company, I'm just going to say that. He's seeking, they're seeking something. But yet they never sow into that, and then they wonder why God is, why they're not reaping out of it. If you have a family, if you raise your family right, praise the Lord, you will reap from that. And you'll reap in many ways. And that doesn't mean that your kids will always do everything perfect. Because as, as we've all learned, uh, especially my mother, that kids will not do everything perfect. Amen? Praise the Lord. You raise them the best that you can. But when you, when you sow good, the right things into them, those things will always speak to them, will always come out of them. And regardless of the paths they choose, those things will always be something that will ground and anchor them. Amen? Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I just happened to glance up as I was saying that, and I just want you to know that uh, there's some of you in here today that your children are not doing what you want them to do. But uh, I, I believe that the Spirit has shown me that that's exactly, you've sown things into them and that you need to relax and you need to rest in that and, and, and let God deal with them. Amen? And, and trust that He will. Praise the Lord. Because there's good things coming. Amen? Praise the Lord. So a scoffer is a mocker. We don't want to be someone who mocks God. You know, uh, uh, you, you know, one of the, the definitions of scoffers actually, uh, to, uh, I think it's to make mouth at or make mouth at or something like that. It's a, you know, to like, have you ever seen that when somebody, uh, you know, somebody said something and somebody else, you know, like that, it's kind of done that thing. I don't know how well that translates over podcasts, but, uh, uh, you know, they just, they move their lips like that. You know, we, of course, we all always hate that. That always provokes a reaction in our household. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't know about yours, but it does in ours. And so, you, you, you know, there's nothing worse than a scoffer. But think about that. Think about how many Christians, if God's like, okay, I've given you, uh, 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 oh, let's go ahead and turn. I, I wasn't playing that. We're going to go to Romans anyways, but go ahead and turn to Romans 8. This came up in last night's message as well, and I just, did, I guess it's good for today too. Amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> we're talking about scoffing. We're talking about making mouths at, right, and uh, doing all these kinds of things. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I told my wife that's why I could never be a teacher. Uh, and she knows it. Amen? Uh, she can be a teacher. I'd be in jail. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, absolutely it would be. Praise the Lord. I ain't got grace for that. Romans 8.32. <clears throat> no, no, can we pull it up there? Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things. Now, this scripture is not a license to just be like oh I can be a spoiled brat now and get everything I want from God. That's not what it's talking about. But that doesn't mean that it excludes natural things or, or material things or anything like that either. And, and so we have to keep things in balance. But the, the heart of God is to bring people into his blessing. 
uh, and the first knowledge of that is is for uh, us as Christians to embrace His Word. Okay, you know uh, Hebrews. Can you bring up Hebrews eleven six? I'm not going to have everyone turn there, but we'll just go ahead and bring it up, just as another you know another example of this, just to to, to verify what I'm saying. Amen. Hebrews 11.6, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For, and this it tells you what the faith is. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Uh, some versions say diligently seek him. When you look at that word and translate it, seek, it, that's literally what it means to diligently seek God. So who's diligently seeking God is the one who's not being a scoffer, the one who's not being a mocker, the one who's after the plan of God, the one who looks into the, the, the perfect law of liberty, glory to God, and follows it. Praise the Lord. You know, God wants us to find good things in him. And good things doesn't mean that, okay, I, I, I got, just got the house that I want. I, I just got the car that I want. And I, I have the job that I want and things like that. But it's that we find the flow of God, that we find who God truly is, that we get into his pleasant presence where there is only good. We understand this about God's presence, that in his presence is the fullness of joy. I said in his presence is the fullness of joy. So what does that look like? It's true joy. It's not the world. What the world looks at is joy. But it doesn't necessarily have to exclude those things. And I, I keep saying this because I want you to understand we need to be well-rounded Christians. We need not get on one vein and throw out the others. We need to stay in the vein that we need to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. He wants to bless us. And we, but a scoffer is one who doesn't believe that. A scoffer is one who sits there and thinks, well, you know, God has this for me to do, but I don't know if I'll ever be able to get there. Listen, I haven't got, I, I say this all the time, but I, I haven't done one thing yet that I felt that I could do. Yeah. I don't do any. There's nothing, in fact, there's nothing in the body of Christ that I have done, that I've, that I've connected to, that I ever once thought that I could really do it. Yeah. I've never been convinced of it. One of the greatest things, I'm convinced every week that I couldn't get up in a pulpit and preach a message that would last for, for five minutes and give you anything that would help you. But somehow we do this week in and week out. Amen. And I love the fact that I don't fully always get to that place where I'm comfortable, comfortable in myself as far as these things are concerned. But I am confident in God. I don't need to be comfortable in, in myself as long as I'm confident in God. And the same thing goes with you. The reason that God does this, the reason why he uses me this way is because he wants other people to see that there is a hope for the place where they're at. So no matter where you're at, if you will connect to God, then you will enter in that place of being how blessed. You know, I think we talked about that recently, either in this church or the other, but we talked recently about that. It says, how blessed, how blessed, amen? How blessed is the one who, who doesn't sit in the seat of the scoffer, the one who isn't mocking God by what they do, the one who's living a life that's focused on God, that's in love with God, that's following after him, amen? God wants to bless us to be a blessing. And in all of that, it means so much more than what we see as being a blessing. See, you think if you got the answer to your prayer, that would be a blessing. And certainly it is a form of blessing, but that's not God's blessing. God's blessing is that we can come to him. I said God's blessing is that there's an open door that we can come to him, that we can enter into his presence, that we can go to God and that we can have a relationship with him. That's the ultimate blessing of God. It's, and there's even some in here today, they're like, I don't even know what that means. It'd be better if you told me I'd get 10 bucks at the end of the service. Be better if you tell me I could win a, a color TV or something. I say color TV. Is there any black or white TV? <laughs> I still see those signs, you know? It's just like, I, I remember when McDonald's had the sign that said over one million sold, amen? Dear Jesus, hallelujah. That should have been prophetic to us all. <laughs> Stop. Stop selling it. <laughs> 
But there's something about it. I'll be honest, I don't eat it, but there's something about it. It still draws me in. I see those golden arches, and man, I want to go there and get me a, a cheeseburger, quarter pie. I like cheeseburger. I like the chicken nuggets. I still like the fries, even though they changed them, and now they're completely inedible. But they, they, they used to be so good, and I still go in those hopes. I used to go get a McDonald's apple pie and a ranch dressing. I love to dip their apple pies and ranch. I know, but I liked it, amen? And I still think about that as I drive by. I never get their apple pies anymore. Sometimes I get their, their, their iced tea because their iced tea is pretty good. And on, on a day when I'm real daring and, and, and re really scoffing, I get a, a sweet tea. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. No, I don't. Uh, you know. Sister, there are, some, there are some limits even to my faith. And that, oh, just the thought of that. I just. That's just ruined. Oh man, <laughs> man, man! That was. Well, you you gotta understand, the state of the state of mind I was in when I was buying all them apple pies probably wasn't the best place to be, anyways. And so, so anything probably tasted good with it at that point. Amen. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. But we're gonna move on to Romans, Romans twelve. Hallelujah. Romans twelve three. Glory to God. Oh, there's so much help. We, we're so, I'm so thankful for, so, so thankful for her. See, I, you, 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 well, praise God, hallelujah. <laughs> it helps me, Aaron, it helps me, I'm telling you. Praise the Lord. And by the way, we do have one air conditioner that's working, but kind of. And so that's why it's kind of cool. That's why it's threatening to be cool in here. But uh, the one that they're putting out there is a big unit. And this is kind of interesting, too. I had said, and I, I believed it was out of my spirit, I said, we're going to put uh, Corey's AC in first, right? Well, we, by default, we have to do that anyways because those units are, are, are readily available. The unit for back here, they have to order, and, you know, it's not, not going to come in as fast. So, so praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I just figured I'd share. Yeah, brought a fan. Yeah. Just, just start walking around and get everybody. Look for somebody. Someone, yeah, yeah, just get, sure. See, that's why the Henrys are sitting right behind her. They're like, get, get us some of that airflow back. <laughs> Praise God. Where are we at? Romans 12, 3. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is good. I love this church. You see, there's so many churches we get into trouble for doing all this, and, and I'm just glad that we don't get in trouble because we... Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I'm just going to come down here and pray. <laughs> you got to use your other hand to hold my pages still so they don't. Praise the Lord. Well, they did that anyways. They turned on me. Where are we? We're in Romans 12, 3. Just remind me. Okay. For through the grace given to me, I say, every, uh, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now, this is a real, this is a really important scripture. And this is one, this is one that, you know, it's one of those ones that's written in there. And we read over it. And a lot of times we don't think it applies to us. But especially when we don't think that it applies to us, is a true indication that that scripture really applies to us. Why? Because when we think, when we start thinking more highly than we ought of ourselves, we think, all right, I already got that. Yeah. I'm already able. I'm already ready. 
Look how talented I am. Look what I'm able to do. God don't care about any of that. No offense, but I don't care about any of that either. Why? Because I'm not able. But if I'm not able, I don't need you to be. Because God's able. What I need people to be is, I, as a pastor, I need people to be open to God being able. And not being, I love, you know, Family Church Mayville, and Family Church Corey, this applies to this, kind of a, kind of a group of misfits. A little bit. You know, there's, there, there's, there's, there's different giftings here, there's different things here, but they're all different, right? And what I mean they're all different is it's all different than what you normally see at church. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that difference because it's, it's in those, those places that God does some pretty remarkable things. Now, I believe God, I believe in what God can do because I've seen what God can do. But what God can do has nothing to do with what we can do. But it does have something to do with what we will do. It's not what we can do. It's what we will do. It's not uh, who we are, but who he wants to make us to be. What God wants to use us for, amen? Now, this is a really important scripture because, again, a lot of people look at these scriptures and they think, oh, you know, like, uh, they, they think a lot of things about this. It goes on to say here, it says, uh, not to think more highly of themselves than they ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment. Everybody say sound judgment. Sound Another way of saying this is to think soberly. Have you ever seen somebody who's not sober? That's the way I was when I was eating McDonald's apple pies with ranch dressing. Glory to God. I was not sober, so I wasn't thinking, so I didn't think soberly. And so people look at you and say, why is that goofball eating an apple pie with ranch dressing? Praise the Lord. They're not thinking soberly. But see, there's a lot of people that are, so to speak, eating apple pies with ranch dressing. There's a lot of people that are doing odd things because they're not thinking soberly. They're not thinking with the right judgment. They think, oh, I, I, I'm talented here, or I'm able here, I should be dot, 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 but God doesn't see any of that, he doesn't care about any of that. God doesn't need it. The willing and the obedient shall uh, eat the good of the land. It's not, the, it's not those who are able and exceedingly excellent. It says the willing and the obedient. If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Not if you're super talented, if you're, uh, you, you know, praise God, hallelujah. <clears throat> But to think is so, so as they have sound judgment, as God is allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, I've heard this preached about a lot of things, but I'm just going to say this about this. When it's talking about a measure of faith, what it's talking about is God has given us a measure to use. There's something on the inside of us that God has given us to tap into and, and, and to utilize. Amen? And those giftings, those things become clear as, as, we, as we yield them to the Lord. But that measure is never a fullness of anything that God is going to give. The measure of faith is not, oh, I've, I've got a measure of faith so I can do this or I can do that. No, it's, it's I've got a measure of faith so I can do this. Do you understand? It's, it's not that you're trying to increase something or to become something else. It's that you bring what you are, what you have before the Lord and offer it to him. To think soberly about yourself. To realize that in yourself... You're not able, you don't have enough to offer me or anybody else. Amen? But you're going to offer God all that you have, and you're going to ex expect that he will utilize that. Now we go on from this to say it says some important things, and I'm going to say that this applies to every person sitting here today. In fact, this applies to every Christian that sits in every church. doesn't matter what name is on the door. 
doesn't matter how many, uh, how many services they have a week. doesn't matter how spiritual they think they are or not. This applies to everybody. Amen? Yeah. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. This is an important statement. And this is, a, this, this is one of the first places that people have to learn to get over to stop being a scoffer or a mocker towards God. We are members of one body individually, but we are members of one another. People who don't realize their connection to each other in the body of Christ are, are, are scoffing at the very plan of God. People who think that they can be blessed doing their own thing. What does this look like? This looks like when you, 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 know, you, you don't get your way and so it makes you unhappy in the body of Christ. You didn't get your own way? That, 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 that means you're scoffing at God, the very nature of God. I cannot express to you how many times I have seen mature Christians fall into this trap? In fact, I would say this, that it more happens with mature Christians than it does Christians who don't even know. So if you're a mature Christian, in other words, if you've been around a while, you need to take this to heart. You need to understand that it isn't about you. It isn't about what you get to do. It isn't about your talents or your abilities. It's about being a member of the body. Amen? It's about being connected to something else. And what you do, if it doesn't supply that, if it doesn't do its part as it's connected, then it's scoffing at the creator of the body. It's scoffing at the one who stands at the forefront. See, we come together as Christians and we all have plans, right? We all have ideas, right? But see, if we, if we fail to set those aside for the greater purpose, it's like, do you realize that as a pastor, I have to do the same thing? I have plans. Sometimes I have plans for you. Sometimes I have great ideas for you, right? I see this or I see that. I, I call it, it's a gift that God has given pastors. It's, it's to see the potential in people. And I see potential in people all the time. But that, that doesn't mean that they're going to operate according to that potential. And I, if they don't operate according to that potential, I have to be at a place where I'm okay with that. I, I can't do things or not do things just because somebody isn't fulfilling their potential. And I see it all the time. I see people all the time who God has great potential for. I can see great things in their future, but they never walk into them because they never learn to yield themselves to the body of Christ. And what I mean by yield themselves to the body of Christ, it doesn't mean, okay, yes, sir, I'm going to do exactly what you say. That's not what it means at all. But it means to come in and yield yourself in a place where you can find your true place, not what you think it ought to be. I said, where you can find your true place and not what you think it ought to be. See, because when we're after, when we still are thinking in what the lines of what we think it ought to be, what we're doing is we are embracing. And this, this isn't something that is going to happen just overnight. In other words, you can't just come to me and say, hey, Pastor, okay, I'm ready to, I'm ready to submit to this thing we call the body. It doesn't just work that way. With everything with God, it's a lifestyle. It is a completely giving up of yourself. You know the thing that God keeps bringing me to? All the areas in my life I haven't given up for him yet. Wow. Yeah. I keep realizing. I thought, man, I was, being, I was doing pretty good. See, I wasn't thinking soberly. I thought I was doing okay. And as much as I know, I'm in the plan and will of God for my life, as much as I know. There's no area of my life that I am aware of that I, that I am neglecting what God has shown me to do. Yeah. I, can, I can confidently say that. 
But that doesn't mean there's no area of my life that I'm neglecting for God. Yeah. You see, and that could be a real easy transition to go, well, I know the best that I know, so I, I must be okay. But that's not the way that it is. And this doesn't mean that we live in fear. No, we live in the grace and under the, the joy of the Lord, knowing that he will show us if we're open to him. But if we neglect to be open to him, if we shut things off because of what we've always thought, yeah. because of what we've always seen. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Because of what we always thought we knew. Because of what we th thought we knew 10 years ago, what we thought we knew two years ago, what we thought we knew yesterday. Amen? You know, one thing I've learned about the Bible is that the Bible, even though it's truth, even though it's the word of God, even though it's unalterable, that it can apply to us in many different ways. Yeah. That it can affect every area of life. You can take one scripture and you can see how it can apply to so many areas of your life. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That's why you can take a, a giving scripture and, and it, can, it can be affected uh, it can affect more than just your, your financial giving. It could be affect your time. It could affect, uh, you know, I'm talking about a financially giving scripture or a faithfulness scripture the same way. It can affect many areas. And so we need to be open to that and what God, how God wants to utilize it. That doesn't mean that his word is wishy-washy or he's changing it. He's not. But we get to see more light. In his light, we see light, right? That's what the Bible tells us. In his light, we see light. In other words, more things get revealed to us. Um, the Bible tells us that now we see dimly, as in a glass, right? As in a mirror, we see dimly. We don't see it perfectly the way that it is. But then we'll know even as we're known. So we know that we are progressing to this place of knowing God more of understanding his ways more. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Where am I? Verse 5 and doing good on time. Kind of. Um, <clears throat> so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. And so this is exactly what, when it talks about your measure of faith, this is all that it's speaking about. Yeah. You've been given a gift You've been, or gifts, you've been given things in you, and it's about to go on and explain some of those, and we're going to talk about them briefly. But uh, you've, you've had things put in you, maybe, and probably most of us, multiple things. Most, I don't, I have never known anyone who is only gifted in one thing and nothing else, amen. But we all have something, and we're going to understand that gifting. Gifting is really ability, things, you know, like I can draw to a degree. I can draw pictures, right? Um, I'm not the world's best artist and I'm not the worst artist either. Uh, there was a time when I could make a living doing some of it uh, in, in certain ways and had opportunities that way, amen? So I can at least do it that, that, that good. But uh, that gifting, there's a measure in me. The one thing I've always known about that is that no matter how good I could draw, there was always somebody who could draw better. Amen. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that. There was people, there's artists that I would gawk at and people who can't draw look at me and say, oh, you can draw just fine. But see, that's because you can't see it the same way. And there's nothing wrong with that. If, if you know you're gifting, there's a measure that's inside each of us that God has given. What we do with that measure is up to us. Yeah. Amen. What we do, and that's what it's talking about. He's measured out. He's decided, have you ever wondered why? Well, man, they could just sing so good. Why did God waste such talent on them? Because he wastes talent on all of us. But he, he cares about none of that. He gives it to all of us to just show us, just to show us what's possible. But he doesn't care what you can do. He, like God never consulted man when he did anything on earth. He never said, oh, let, now, let, me, let me just make this straight. Let's see. I, uh, all right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create this garden, and this garden is going to be, I want this garden to be beautiful. Adam, how do you think I should create it? The only thing that he did with Adam is he said, you can name the animals, but God still created the animals. 
And why did he say you could name him? Because he wanted Adam to participate in what he was doing. What does God want to do with all of us? He wants us to participate in what he's doing. Maybe he'll say to one of us, you can name him. Maybe one of you are going to be real talented at cleaning up after him. <laughs> Amen. I know it's funny, right? But the truth is, is we all know that there's people that are skilled at even that. There are people, we, I have a sister-in-law who is skilled at dealing with people in the worst times that you could possibly deal with them. You know, when they have stuff coming out of their body in places you don't want to see stuff coming out. And she can deal with that and it doesn't bother her at all. But that's a gifting. That's a, that's a talent. And that's meant to be used in the body of Christ. And you see, as we, as we come with what we have, willing to yield it to God, it doesn't matter what it is. But the Bible says to each of us to use them accordingly. And that's what measure of faith is all about. Your measure of faith is when you, what you bring with you and utilizing it to its best ability. But the problem is, is there's so much in life that people are distracted on, especially today, that they don't understand that, that, that God wants to utilize these things in the church. Because in the church, and what I mean in the church, I don't mean in the church building. You know, we could, have, we could have 50 painters in here, but we don't need 50 people to paint the building. But maybe there's need for it out there. You understand what I'm saying? That there's, that there's people, there'll be people, oh, let's just get into some of them because it talks about it. It talks about both spiritual and non-spiritual. Amen? Praise God. <clears throat> Since we have gifts differing according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, according to our measure of faith. Yeah. Amen? Exercise it according to your measure of faith. Amen. <clears throat> if prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Some people know how to prophecy. Sometimes it's in them. Sometimes it comes out of them. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be able to do it. Not just in, a, in the sense of, of using it this way. Amen. If service in serving. Now it goes to kind of a natural thing, right? Of course, service and serving could be what, what we're doing. Ministry literally means serving, but we're all called to ministry, so that's all it applies. But we know we have people that are talented at, at, at setting things up and, 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 and hospitality and stuff like that. And certainly all that's included in there. Amen? But you, you do it according to the measure of your faith, what God has put in you. Amen? Uh, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality. So you see, all we go back and forth, weaving in and out of things, spirit, what seems spiritual and natural, and I'm going to tell you why God does that. Do you know why the Bible does that? Because the natural and the supernatural were meant to be woven together. There's nothing we have naturally that didn't first come supernaturally. And the problem with so many scoffers is that they look at the natural and say, that's the way it must be. There can be no supernatural element to it. That's why people can see in church, sit in church, even a church that exhibits the power of God, and they can never see it themselves because they scoff at it. Say, that certainly couldn't be the power of God. That certainly couldn't happen, or this certainly could. I'm not talking about if you could look at the word and say this is right or this is wrong, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about that. But at some point, we're all called into this place of faith. I was saying to my brother out here one day, I said, you know, we can get to a place where we always over-justify everything. In other words, you can get to a place where you just you you just you 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 can just brush everything off as coincidence. So sooner or later, if you're going to be a person of faith and not a scoffer, you're going to have to say, maybe this isn't coincidence. Yeah. Maybe it's actually God. Yeah. And see, as you do this, you give yourself to that. You see people that walk out lives yeah. that are are, are 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 supernatural in nature. I live a supernatural life. 
No, it doesn't mean that I'm leaping buildings with a single bound or that I'm, you know, running fast at all. Or, uh, you know, doing anything other great, uh, other great things like that, what we think of, you know, superheroes, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. But I do the thing that I'm called to do, and God supernaturally connects to it. Things happen, we get favor supernaturally. How do you know? Because I didn't have the favor naturally. It never can. I'm just telling you right now. I never had natural favor come to me. Never. But supernatural favor, oh, my, my life is, 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 is chock full of supernatural favor. I live in God's supernatural favor. I'm here today in God's supernatural favor. And tomorrow I'm going to do something, don't even know what it is, but it's going to be in the supernatural favor of God. And you can all do that too. We can decide that we're going to tap into it or we can, t- or we can scoff at it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, he who gives with liberality... He who leads with diligence. You know, even with the giving thing, there's people that say, there's millionaires that are sitting in churches that are being stingy and not giving. And at the same time, there's people who are in poverty that are in churches that are giving more than all. Why? Because, because there's people that understand giftings. Amen? Where God has blessed us. If you have things, uh, if you have things and yet, uh, for God that God has blessed you with and abilities and stuff like that, and yet you never use it for God, the question has to be, are you scoffing at God? Or are you wanting to be blessed? Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, he who exhorts with exhortation, he, he who li- uh, gives with liberty, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. <clears throat> Look at this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. It's hypocritical to call yourself a Christian and to never do anything for God. It's hypocritical to go to God and say, Lord, I need you to bless me here. I want you to help me here. And yet refuse to be used by him. It's hypocritical to call yourself a Christian and have this faith to yourself and never share it with anybody else. Never let God's uh, people uh, see God shining through you. It's hypocritical. It's scoffing at God. Scoffing at his works. Every one of us should have the desire the drive on the inside of us to be to glorify God in our daily walk. How do I and we and how do we first do that? We first look take an inventory of our lives and say, where can I be a blessing to the Lord here? Where can I be a blessing to the body? And we're going to see that God, it's not just being a blessing to God, but it's being connected to His body. I had started to say this, but the church is not the building; the church is the people. The building's important. We don't throw that out. We don't neglect that. But the church is the people. It's the people who congregate in the building. Amen? Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. I love that, clinging to what is good. I like to think of a, uh, 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 whenever I've had rock climbing experiences, which have been very muy pequeño, muy, uh, did I say that right? Muy, muy small. Very small. I'm trying to, to keep the Spanish alive, but it's kind of fizzling out. But you know what I mean? Very small. I mean, my faith when I'm climbing rocks. And I always get to that moment where I realize that I'm going to fall probably. Right? And so I cling to that rock with everything that's in me. I haven't fallen yet, and I fall, haven't fallen because I always have that moment where I'm sure I'm going to. And so I cling to that rock with everything that's in me. All of a sudden, these, 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 these fingers become iron hooks. You know what I mean? And they're just anchored deep into that rock. Think about that. Cling to what is good. 
Christians, this is what we have to do as Christians, as believers in Christ, as, as ones who have been given this grace and this gift, this blessing. We have to cling to the things that are good because if you haven't discovered yet, there is a world that's trying to rob you of that. There is a devil who is actively trying to rob you of everything that's good, but you have to cling to what's good. And when I say cling to what's good, I'm not saying, okay, is your money's getting pulled away from you, all you cling into it. But I'm saying is your rock, is the thing that you've been standing on, is your faith you've been holding on to, is that thing is trying to be ripped out from underneath you, you cling, on, you cling to it and you say there's no way it's going anywhere or I'm going anywhere. I'm staying connected to Jesus. I'm staying connected to God. I'm staying connected to his flow. I'm going to do what, what he has set for me to do, even if I don't know what that thing is. There's lots of things I don't know what God has for me to do, and that's because God won't show me yet. And the reason he won't show me yet is because if I did know what he has for me to do 10 years from now, I would stop doing it today. And so would you. Why? Because I can confidently say, if 10 years ago God showed me what I'd be doing today, I can confidently say, in my humanity, I would have said, absolutely not. I don't want to do it. Amen? But now I embrace it. Praise the Lord. But I might not embrace what 10 years, 10 years from now. Because rest assured, what's 10 years from now is not what is today. And it's not what was 10 years ago. The Bible says we go from glory to glory. Glory is the trophy. Remember, that's the best way I can think of, uh, of visualizing glory. What is God's glory? When he puts it on us, when it's on him, it's like a trophy. It's something you put on a shelf. It's something you look at. It means it's something, it's something you look at and say, I've overcome. It's something that you won. It's the, it's, it's the Super Bowl ring. Praise the Lord. Is that an important thing? Where's my guy? Is that important? That's good. Okay. My, my football guy back there. It, it's, it's the trophy. It's the, it's the coveted ribbon. It's whatever you want, you know, whatever is important to you, but that's what the glory is. But the glory represents the things that have gotten through to get to the glory. Otherwise, it wouldn't be glorious. A trophy means nothing when everyone gets it. Sorry, mothers of young children. But if everybody gets a trophy, it means nothing. And that's why they're made out of plastic and cheap and you can throw them away and nobody really cares. They get stuck stuffed in a closet. But you know, there's trophies out there in the world. There's different kinds of cups and things that they call different things. Give me one. Shout one out back there. Caleb? The Lombardi Trophy? All right, the Lombardi Trophy. I have no idea what it is, but that is an important thing. Am I right? It's an important thing. Stanley Cup, I heard that one too. It's, why does it mean so much? Isn't there one that they, they have to share? They don't even get to like, keep it all the time? Stanley Cup? The Stanley Cup, yeah. <laughs> That's going to go around here pretty good. Apparently the Stanley Cup, I don't even know what the Stanley Cup's for. What's it for, racing or something? Hockey. Yeah, it's for racing. It's a what? It's actually for Lord Stanley. Lord Stanley? Oh, okay. It's for Lord Stanley. Apparently he's the only one that gets to keep it full time. But you, you understand, like, they're so big, they're so important that only very few people get it, and that's, it, it's coveted. And that's what God's glory is all about. But the Bible says we go from glory to glory, meaning that we're going from victory to victory. We go from one level to another level, and it's always up in God. Amen. Because you're not going to go, you know, uh, I remember, like, I, uh, we had friends. I think we had friends once that did this. You, you could go. There used to... <clears throat> There used to be a trophy shop in town called Gary's Trophy House. It was Jamestown. I don't know if you remember it. I used to go see Gary once in a while uh, for different kinds of things. I used to work plaques, uh, you know, order plaques. I had a frame shop and stuff. We'd order plaques. He did plaques and trophies and stuff like that. 
But I remember one day being in there and looking around at Gary's Trophy House, and this is the place where all the local people went to get trophies, and I remember what it was like to get a trophy. Not because I got one, because I wanted one. But I remember looking at these, you know, these golden figures on these stands, and you could have a bowler, you could have a, uh, something else. Uh, and, and so, uh, you, you know, there was always, it was always golden, and it was set on a little pedestal, and always, you know. But I remember you could go into Gary's Trophy House, and with just the right amount of cash, you could buy one. You didn't have to be good at anything. And instantly then, all of those trophies, in my mind, kind of got downplayed a little bit. Now, of course, it's, it's not the trophy itself that matters, but it's the reason that it was given that does. But that's the same thing with God. It's not the trophy itself. It's not the glory itself, but it's the reason the glory could be given. God doesn't just put trophies on everybody. He doesn't bring all people into the same level of glory. But as we submit to him, as we yield to him, as we go in his way, in just case you ever wonder, if you're ever sitting back in this quadrant of the church and you see me staring back there, I'm looking at the clock behind your head. Just, just, just so you know, I always feel like I say that because I'm looking back there and I'm like, see faces and I don't want, well, anyways. But uh, the glory is, it's, it's one victory to the next. It's one level to another. Glory to God. When God's bringing us there, it means he'll bring us into greater things. Amen? Praise the Lord. Where are we? Verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit. Serving the Lord. I love to serve the Lord. That's for all my nacho fans out there. Praise the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. The reason so many people suffer endless trial is because they're out of place. They haven't taken their seat. What's my place, Lord, and how do I get into it should be the heart's cry of every Christian. If you're a Christian that's suffering trial endlessly, you understand there's, there's two reasons, or, or there's multiple reasons we suffer trial. It can either be from being in the will of God or out of the will of God. And, and, and uh, there will be things that come against us, but we're always victory, victorious when we're in the will of God. There's always glory to the one who perseveres. Amen? Amen? That's staying in faith. But if you're out of place, you know you're out of place, and you know you're out of place because of what I've said for the last hour. It's not hard to know that we're out of place. Yeah. It's not hard to see that, 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 that something isn't right. You know what? I, I was seeing this actually one of the places that this was born out of, believe it or not, is for your pastor. Because yeah. there was a certain area of my life, not a sinful area or anything like that, but I just recognized all of a sudden I was out of place. There's something that's out of place. And so what, I'm in this same position that many of you are today. So what do I do about that? I seek God. Lord, what, where, where, what have you measured out to me that I'm not utilizing? What have, you, what have you birthed within me that I'm not connecting to? What kinds of things are you calling me to that I'm not seeing? Show me those things. It's got to be a heart after him. Now, see, I can sit there and never have told you about it and just kept having church the way we did it and just come up with some happy messages here and there and send everybody away like that. But that's not what I want. I want to know God's glory. I want to know the next level of victory. Why? Because I've had a taste of the glory. 
and I see what I taste like. The glory is a wonderful thing. It's exactly what it's meant to be. I mean, the word glory, when we see that word glory, it's supposed to stir something on the inside of us. It's supposed to excite us. It's like seeing the gold trophy. We're looking at it. It's like, that's what I want to get to. Amen? And see, here's the thing. I don't even want to just get to it in this life. I want to get to it because it's someday I know I'll stand before Jesus. And I want him to look at me and say, when I, when, when I gave you such great and wonderful gifts, most importantly, my blood that gave you access to heaven, the throne room of heaven, my blood gave, Jesus' blood gave the access to all Christians, anyone who would call on his name, to the throne room of heaven. We have direct access. We don't need a priest anymore. We don't need somebody to intercede for us. We have direct access to the throne room of heaven. This is what God has given us. He's made us to be victorious because he's opened the door for us to get into the victory. I want to stand before him and say, I got there every single time I possibly could. I spent my life pursuing that, and that's exactly where I got. He withholds no good thing from them who walk uprightly. Someone who's walking uprightly is someone who's looking at him, keeping their eyes on heaven. I got this little sculpture when I was in Norway because it spoke to me so much. It was so, it's, a, it's got a little head, and it's got this crown, and the crown is too big for the head. And in Norwegian, it says something that I don't know, but it says, uh, the translation is, look up. And what, what I saw in that was, to me, it was a metaphor. It was like, it was like you know, uh, what do they call it? Serendipitous. God brought us together in that moment uh, to, for me to see that because it's a reminder of me, a, ri- a reminder to me that the, the, the call is always bigger than I am. It's always so much more. It's more than I can carry, but my, my heart is to look up. And as I look up to heaven, as I keep my eyes focused on Jesus, I'm over to, able to overcome all the things that the devil will put in front of me. I'm over to step through all the obstacles that, that, that come before me. I'm able to enter every door of effect, effectual, every effective door. Amen? Praise the Lord. Because of what he did. Hallelujah. If you're out of place, it's time to take your seat. The devil always distracts us with misdirection. Look over here. Look at this. Look at this trial. Look at this thing. Look how sad you are. Let me ask you this. Now, I'm somebody who's suffered from depression and, 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 and uh, anxiety in times past, and the devil still tries to bring it on me all the time. If you're somebody who's suffered from that legitimately, you probably never will cease to have those attacks. But God has shown me how to overcome it every time. And so even though the attack comes, it's ineffective because I overcome it. You understand? And that's why I present it before you. But I'm just letting you know, the devil will always try with it. Right? He always says, look at this. Look how bad it is. Look how how terrible life is. I'm just about to end too, by the way. Every day, uh, like he'll bring these these things to you. Look how how terrible you feel. Sometimes I wake up feeling terrible and I don't even know why. Yesterday was one of those days. I woke up in a funk. I woke up just not feeling. I woke up like, oh, it's, it's just hopeless. And then the Lord reminded me that I'd counseled people this week. And in those counseling appointments that I had dealt with these things. And I had said to him, this is what you got to do. And he reminded me, see, you're going to have to do what you said you're going to have to do too. And so I did that. I started focusing on him. I started focusing on his goodness. And you know what happened? I started rising up out of it. It just like it pulled me right up out of it. And so within a few minutes, I was happy and I was enjoying the day. I went from being uh, 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 miserable in, 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 the, in, in that moment of that feeling to being in, in God's joy instantly. Why? Because the focus was right. Amen? 
The devil will always try to distract us with misdirection. Just look at this. Look here. But as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as long as we keep our seat right, as long as we stay seated in the place, our rightful place, we'll always walk into what God has for us. Amen.